All of us strive for perfection in some area or another, whether it's a, a, a perfect home, perfect cleanliness, perfect health, maybe it's perfect relationships, but I wondered how many of us are striving for Christian perfection, that is perfection in our relationship with Jesus, that is perfection so that we live a life from this moment on, a life without sin, a perfect life. See, it's that term, Christian perfection. Some of you have heard that, 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 that term before, Christian perfection. And when we hear Christian perfection, so many of us think of an unattainable lifestyle of Jesus Christ. The one that was born without sin, the one who walked a perfect life and never sinned against God, never went against God. But then so many of us, we know ourselves and we know... But if we look in the mirror, we don't see perfection. Can I get an amen to that? And so we think, you know what? Perfection's really difficult. It's really hard. And maybe it's unattainable. And so what happens is, and this is the, 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 the great danger, we come to believe that perfection is not attainable, that we will never live a life without purposefully sinning against God, that we might never get to that point where we can experience freedom from sin in our life, and so we stop trying to work toward it. Are you with me? And so many of us, although we, we like the idea of Christian perfection, we like the idea of walking with Christ in perfection for the rest of our lives, we think that it's unattainable, and so we're not really trying for it. But Paul, in Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 11, he begins to write about perfection. And this is what he writes in verse, I said 11, I am, I'm going to go to 12 actually. This is what he says in verse 12 of chapter 3 of Philippians. He says, not that I have already obtained all of this, now hold on to that word this, we'll come back to that in a moment, not that I have already obtained all of this, or that I have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I press on. He says, not that I've already obtained all of this, all right? This is what he was writing about in verses 10 and 11. He says, I want to know Christ. How many of you want to know Christ? Say amen. amen. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship. Can I get an amen to that? I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know, and I'm going to get an amen to this, I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. Not as many amens. All right. Let's see if I can get an amen to this. Being like him in death. And maybe, maybe to attain the resurrection as he already has. Here's what Paul is writing. I want to know Jesus so closely. I want to walk with him so closely that I live like Jesus, that I love like Jesus, that I serve like Jesus. Those of you who have been around here very long, those, those phrases should come very familiar to you. But Paul says, I'm not there yet. Verse 12, not there, I have already obtained all of this. I'm not perfect yet. Paul writes, even I, the apostle Paul, I'm not perfect yet. But I press on 
to make it my own. I press on to attain that perfection because Jesus has made me his own. I want to make perfection my own because Jesus has made me his own. What Paul is writing here is there is a reason why Christ makes us his own, why he takes hold of us in faith. And that reason is so that we might be perfect as he has called us to be perfect. See, I said that the great danger when we give up on perfection is that we're giving up on the call that Jesus has given to us. And what we're doing when we say that it's impossible for us to, uh, uh, to, to, to get to that point of Christian perfection is we're calling Jesus a liar who says, be perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. See, there's great dangers there. And Paul says, I'm not there yet. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. See, I talk about Christian perfection and what, what Paul is really writing here is not so much perfection as we think of perfection. What Paul is writing about here is Christian maturity. Christian maturity. So instead of, let me tell you this, instead of aiming for perfection, aim for maturity. Let me tell you, take that next step with Jesus. Whatever that next step in your life looks like, take that next step and then tomorrow take the next step. And then the, the next day take the next step. Over and over again. And I want to I give you this truth. I said it was a rhyming little phrase, a little theme that I'm going to tell you. And then I'm going to repeat it over and over. So hopefully it's ingrained in your mind like a VBS song is ingrained in your head and you can't get it out. Here it is. It's up here on the wall. Perfect maturity. Maybe it's up there on the wall if they switch the slides for me. Uh, perfect maturity comes through surety. I'm going to say it again. Perfect maturity comes through surety. I'm going to repeat it until they put it up there. Perfect maturity comes through surety. They're, they're shaking their heads like it's not up there. So maybe I'm just going to repeat this over and over again. It's all right. You've got it now. We tend to think, though, of maturity in this way. We think of maturity as, well, I'm a better Christian than so-and-so over there. I'm more mature in my walk with Jesus Christ. It's all right if it's not up there, guys. I'm more mature in my walk with Jesus Christ than that person sitting across the sanctuary from me, so I'm all good. We think, I'm, I'm mature because I come to church three times a month and so-and-so only comes one time a month. I'm mature because I give the full tithe and I know that person doesn't. I'm mature, but, you know, we can go on and on and on. But let me tell you this, and if you don't remember the, the, the phrase that I threw out, and I'm going to say it about 14 more times, maybe 15, the standard, so wake up, here it is, here it is, ready? The standard for Christian maturity is not what other people are doing, but instead what Christ has already done. Are you with me? Let me say that again so it sinks in. The standard, because we all need to hear this, even myself, we all need to hear this and we need to take it as truth. We need to apply it to our lives. The standard for Christian maturity is not what someone else is doing. It's not based on where culture is today. 
It's not based on where other churches are headed. It's not based on where other Christians are going. The standard for Christian maturity is not what someone else is doing, but instead what Christ has already done for us and for you and for His church. Amen? Praise Jesus. So I say perfect maturity comes through surety. Let me read these verses. I'm going to read a verse and then I'm going to give you a couple, one or two points. Okay, you ready? Maybe I'll share these online because we're going to go through them um, somewhat uh, fast. Philippians 3.12. Let me say, let me read this again. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. And so I say perfect maturity comes through surety. We must be sure to recognize our imperfection. Maybe it's looking in a mirror, and I'm not talking about surface level imperfections, all right? But we must be sure to realize that we recognize and admit that I'm not perfect yet, just as the Apostle Paul did. The more mature we are, that is, the more Christ-like we become, the more you recognize how far you still have to go. Amen? We must be sure to recognize our imperfection, but I also see here in verse 12, we must be sure to take hold of all that Christ has done for us. We must be sure to recognize Christ is, He gave a glory. Friends, He came down from heaven to become one of us. How ridiculous is this? We must be sure to recognize all that Christ has already done for us. He walked a life in this cruel, nasty world. He was betrayed. He was uh, arrested, beaten, condemned to death, nailed to a Roman cross while he was being spit on and insulted time and time again. He did all of these things so that you might be perfect. So that you might spend eternity with Him. You see, that, that's love. We must be sure to recognize our imperfection. And we must be sure to take hold of all that Christ has done for us. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, get this, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. We must be sure to forget what is behind us. That is a sinful lifestyle, the way we used to be before we met Jesus Christ. Perhaps it's forgetting what is behind us after we met Jesus. We just continued to walk in sin for a long time. Are you with me, friends? We must be sure to forget what is behind us and we must be sure to strain toward what is ahead and that is eternal glory, perfection, a eternity outside the presence of sin. Can you imagine what that's going to be like when there's no more sin, there's no more temptation, all's good. Are you with me? Verse 14. I press on to take to, toward the goal. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Two more. We must be sure to press on toward the goal, that is to move forward. And we must be sure to win the prize. What is this life worth? 
What is our relationship with Jesus worth now if we lose the, the, the prize of heavenly glory that he has called us to? It's for naught. See, this life that we are living now, it is preparation for what eternity is going to be like. Are you with me? So often I hear people complaining, not never here, but I hear people complaining about worship. Well, I don't like that style of music, and I don't like that style of music, or I don't like listening to this person, or I don't like sitting by this person. I say, listen, if you don't like worship, worshiping God now, your eternity is going to be hell. And it's true. We must be Sure, to press toward the goal and to win the prize. Verse 15, all of us who are mature, there's that word, we should take, take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. What does that mean? We must be sure to take a mature view, looking Forward. I'm going to keep reading. I don't like that point. Only let us live up to what we have already obtained. Now, this is a good one, guys. Oh, my goodness, I love this. This is a good one because when we talk about maturity, we talk about taking that step forward and going, going forward, going forward, going forward. What this is saying to us is we must be sure to live up to what we have already obtained. What that says is don't backslide. Don't go backwards. Don't go back to the way you used to live. And if you're living a life for Jesus now and you say, you know what, I'm good, I'm saved, I ask Jesus for repentance, I'm good, I'm sailing. That means that if you mess up today, you can still go back to Jesus today, get repentance from him, receive the, the gift of his promised salvation today. Don't go back to that again. Because I know so many Christians that say, well, I screwed up, so you know what? I might as well bathe in sin for a little while. And it's so true. And Paul says, no, no, no. Maturity means you don't go back to that. You get rid of that. I'm going to speed up because I'm going to lose my voice again. Verse 17, this is what it says. Join. Some of you are like, yeah, praise Jesus. He's going to lose his voice. Join with others in following my example, brothers and sisters. And take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. We must be sure to join with others. Unity, it's one thing that Jesus talked about in the church. It's one thing that he prayed about. That's one thing that he warned his disciples about. The, the, the world will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. The reality is in the church we struggle to love one another. Our superintendent posted a great question this last week to us as pastors. He said, maybe you love your church, but I wonder, do you like the people in your church? So that's a heart. I mean, uh, that's a, that, that grabs your heart. Do you like the people in your church? So let me pose that to you. Do you like the people you're sitting near? Do you like the people across the aisle from you? Ouch. Do you like the people sitting at the Baptist church today? Do you like the people sitting at the, Pres the, 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 the Pentecostal church today? I got some other denominations here this morning. So some of you are, wait, wait a minute. Don't, now, don't trample on me. The reality is, in Jesus, we should be unified. Because we're in Jesus. Oh, 
We must be sure to join with others and sure to follow godly leadership. He encourages them in verses 18 or to, to imitate his example and to the example of others to follow Christ because of what's coming in verses 18 and 19. This is what he says. For, as I have already told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. We must be sure, he says, their stomach, their God is their stomach. Their mind is on earthly things. He's saying, just a bunch of selfish people out here. I think all sin is based in selfishness. We boil it all down. I want what I want, and I want it right now. And so if God's not going to give it to me right now, I'm going to go get it myself, and I'm going to sin in order to do that. Ouch. We must be sure to, not to focus on earthly things. I'm going to keep going. Verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. Can I get a hallelujah? Somebody. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. We must know, we must be sure that our citizenship is in heaven. And we must be sure to eagerly await Jesus. Friends, he's coming back. Are you with me? He's coming back. I don't know if it's going to be uh, in, in the next minute, the next hour, the next week, but I know he's coming back because his word says he's coming back. And I know that when he comes back, he's going to call those who are committed and faithful to him. Those that have given more of themselves to him than they have to themselves. Those that have given up earthly things and taken their mind off of earthly things in order to focus on His call for their life. But we must be sure, as sure as we sit here today, that our citizenship is in heaven, that our eternity waits for us, that on that day of judgment, when Jesus stands before us, we hear Him say, and we know with all certainty that we will hear Him say, come on in, servant. Come on in, follower. Come on in, son, daughter. You are mine. You are covered by my blood. Are you with me? Woo! I'll read one more verse and then I'll stop. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear Friends, we must be sure to stand firm in Jesus. There is a target. I heard this when I was a teen, and it's stuck with me ever since, and it's this. Satan has a target on your back today. Your enemy has a target on your back today. He knows what your weaknesses are. He knows what, what guards you have up right now and how to get around them when your guard falls. He has a target on your back and all he wants to do is steal your soul. That's it. It doesn't matter if you give him today or you give him tomorrow. All he cares about is that you give him eternity. And so if he can steal your gaze from Jesus and he can steal you from standing firm in his word, he wins. 
But all Jesus wants is to welcome you into eternal glory so you can spend forever with Him, surrounded by His love, surrounded by His care. So I say, Satan has a target on your back. He has a target on each and every one of our backs. And that's why Paul says, and he, he says, I, I say it with tears, I write it with tears, stand firm in the Lord, brothers and sisters. So my question to you this morning, before I pray for us, are you pursuing perfection? That is, are you pursuing maturity in Jesus Christ? Is your eternity secure? Are you sure of that this morning? Perfect maturity comes through surety. Father God, I, I pray today for our church family. I pray, God, today for each and every individual sitting in this place. I pray, God, for each and every individual hearing this message. Lord God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fall. I pray that your Holy Spirit would do a new work in lives, in families, Jesus. I pray that your Holy Spirit would do a new work in the lives of children, Jesus, and teens. I pray, Jesus, for revival to spread, Lord, through this next generation, Lord. I pray, God, for godly leadership. I pray, Holy Spirit, today that if there is anything standing between us and you, God, reveal that right now. At this moment, reveal it to us that we might seek you with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength, with all our soul. And we give you the glory in the mighty and awesome name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Let's stand together and let's rejoice as we think about that day when we meet Jesus in eternity. If you are sure of where your eternity lies, sing this with boldness this morning.